We hope you'll be blessed and inspired and challenged and motivated by this fresh word from Christian Heritage Church. Anybody here watching the Olympics? Anybody? Yeah, I figured most of you were. I'm sure you're excited, right? It's good stuff. It's a lot of fun. Michael Phelps, what can you say? Right? I mean, amazing. That women's gymnastic team. What can you say? Absolutely amazing, isn't it? It's, it's amazing to see these people do such great things and achieve such high and lofty goals. But as I was thinking about all the great things that were happening in the Olympics this year, my mind went back to 2008 in Beijing when the U.S. had probably the best men's 4 by 100 relay team ever to take the field. These guys were going against the Jamaicans at Usain Bolt. You know, thank you, the Jamaicans are in the house. You know he's the fastest man in the world. But they really thought this team of 2008 had the chance of beating the Jamaicans. And the USA should shout yes at that point, but you didn't. So do it again for the Jamaicans, that's great. All right, there you go. They're going to carry the weight whether you all do or not. They thought that in 2008, the USA would actually defeat the Jamaicans, uh, the anchor leg by Usain Bolt, and win the 4 by 100 relay and take home the gold. They trained for four years, four men, put their heart and their soul into it. Wendy, would you roll that video up there? I want you to watch this video of that final heat and that final race that brought the, uh, brought the gold medal. Interesting, isn't it? One failed handoff. Four men trained for four years, but in the end, they were disqualified because of a failed handoff. Darvis Gray and Tyson Gay were the two men involved in that, and the guy that's actually carrying the baton has the responsibility of handing it to the runner in front of him. He has the eyes. He can see where the hand is at. The guy in front, his only goal is to provide a target. That's it. Just give him a target to put that baton in your hand. But as you saw in that video, for some reason, we don't know why. They had done this to perfection time and time and time again. But in this race, when the gold medal was on the line, they didn't make the exchange. They dropped the baton. And as a result, they were disqualified from the race. I've come to tell you this morning that you and I as born-again believers have a God-given responsibility to pass the baton from one to another. We cannot allow ourselves to be disqualified because we drop the baton. It's our responsibility to take this great message, this good news, from generation to generation. This morning, we're going to pray over all of our students at the end of the service and all of our educators. And I want you to understand, this isn't just some kind of a religious ceremony. There's great significance in you and I laying hands on students and praying that God would bless them and favor them and watch over them. Laying hands on educators, teachers that are in the classroom, and administration, teachers' aides. Laying hands on them and praying over them and asking God to make them instruments of passing the baton from one generation to another. That's why Jesus said it this way in Matthew chapter 24, verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached to all nations as a witness to all nations, and then will the end come. We know we're living in the end times. We all understand that. But what we also have to understand is that 
regardless of what's happening around us, regardless of what we see, we have a responsibility to pass the baton, to take it to someone else, to share our life with them and to replicate the kingdom of God by passing that on to those who are coming behind us, allowing them to see God in us and through us. See, the point I want to make to you this morning is it's the responsibility of the guy with the baton to hand it to the runner in front of him. It's not the runner in front of him's responsibility to stop, to turn around, to take the baton, and then try to get back in the race. It's the responsibility of the guy with the baton to slap it into the hand of the runner in front of him and wait until it closes around it and let him run the race with fervor. We need to understand that responsibility is ours in the kingdom of God as well. Throughout Scripture, there are multiple examples of this very principle occurring. You can see Jesus with his 12 disciples. They lived life together. During that three and a half years, he was in effect handing the baton to them. He was saying to them, one of these days, I'm no longer going to be here. And it then becomes your responsibility to take what I've taught you and teach someone else. To take what I've done in you and give it to someone else. You see, Christianity is not meant to be contained in these four walls. We need to understand if that's our definition, we're dropping the baton. Because when you die, then that witness dies, that church dies, it begins to falter. There's no effectiveness, there's no power. The church is not effective unless we're passing the baton to the next generation. We have got to get that in our spirit. We have become so complacent in Western Christianity that we think all I have to do is show up, sing a couple of songs, lift my hands, clap a little bit, give my offering, and everything is good. I got news for you, it's not. And it never will be until the church of Jesus Christ in the West comes again to realize our responsibility is to pass the good news to someone else. Our responsibility is to perpetuate and to replicate the gospel of Jesus Christ in those around us. Jesus displayed that. You can look in the book of Acts, Saul of Tarsus, who was a persecutor of the church. He was seeing Christians murdered and imprisoned right and left. That was his passion, his drive, his desire. And Jesus encountered him on the road to Damascus. And Paul had a dramatic conversion experience because he met Jesus. And then as you continue to read the scriptures, it said all the disciples were afraid of him because of his past. Somebody needs to hear this this morning. It doesn't matter where you've come from. It doesn't matter what you've done. If you're born again through the blood of Jesus Christ, if you've come through the cross and been washed by his blood, I'm here to tell you, he has a plan and a future for you. You need to get off that thing that I am not qualified. Quit disqualifying yourself because of your past. Because when you come through the cross, it's erased. It's history. It's over. It's done. And the only one who will ever bring it up to you again is the devil himself. And he is what? A father of all lies. So reject that and move on and let God use you. So when the church wouldn't accept Saul, wouldn't believe that he was really changed, It was a guy by the name of Barnabas that took him under his wing, that began to discipline him, school him, teach him, and introduce him and make a door of access for him into the early church. Everybody in this room needs to either be a Barnabas or a Saul at one point in your life. And listen, those roles reverse as you grow in Jesus Christ. If you're a born-again believer, if you're mature in Christ, you should be a Barnabas. 
You should be finding someone that you can take under your wing and teach them, disciple them, train them, open doors for them so God can use their life. If you're not doing that, something's amiss. I love the way you're shouting now. It's our responsibility to pass the baton of faith. And we do that by investing in the lives of those around us. And then Saul, who we know later we used his name as Paul in the Greek, He displayed this time and time again. We can think of Timothy and Titus and Philemon and on and on we can go of the young men that he pulled under his wing and allowed God to use him to pass the baton of faith. So let me say it again. If you don't have someone in your life that's looking to you for leadership and guidance and direction that you can lead closer to God and unlock doors of opportunity, something's wrong. And before you leave this place today, you need to get it fixed by Jesus Christ and begin doing what he's asked you to do. Because the kingdom is to be replicated. The kingdom has to be handed off to the next generation. You know, I've noticed today in the church there's a great emphasis on finishing well. And it's important to finish well. It's not good enough just to start. You need to finish well. But if we are placing so much emphasis, time and attention on us and our race and ignoring those who are coming behind us, we're doing a disservice to the kingdom of God. Matter of fact, I believe when you invest in the lives of those who are coming behind you, you will finish well. You will see God do amazing things in your heart and in your life. So let me ask you, who are you handing it off to? Who's following you? There's a place in your notes you can actually write down names. Who's following you? Whose life are you influencing for the kingdom? Who is running in pace behind you with their hand outstretched, ready to receive that baton? Who is it that you're investing in today? And if you can't think of someone, you need to ask God to help you. Ask God to show you and ask God to empower you to be doing that. We should be saying, who's following me? Who am I passing that baton off to? Who will perpetuate the faith after I am out of the picture? Who is that person who's following me? And we need to remember it's the responsibility of this generation. Everybody that's over 50, stand up. I know, you don't like this. I'm calling you out. Now, my wife is really only 39. She's standing to make everybody else feel better. Everybody that's on their feet right now, look around you, because there's a whole lot of folks sitting down that need somebody to come alongside of them, put their arm around them, and say, come on and walk with me. Come on and let's do this thing together. Come on and let's show these individuals what God can do when we choose to live life together. You may be seated. It's our responsibility, this generation's responsibility, to replicate the gospel in the lives of those around us. Now, under Understand, I'm not saying that we save anybody, but I'm saying when someone comes to Christ, whether we lead them or someone else leads them, we then have a responsibility to bring them under our wing, to teach them, to train them, to disciple them, to help them, to get them through the tough times and to pass the baton off to them. Would somebody say amen? amen? Maybe this is just for me this morning. I don't know, but if it's just for me, I'm enjoying it. It's up to you and I to pass the kingdom on to the next generation. Years ago, I was pastoring a church, and I was a private pilot at that time. There was a guy in the church who was a very accomplished commercial pilot. He had his instrument. He had all the ratings. He could fly anything from a Cessna 150 to a twin-engine jet. Very, very talented guy. And during the, port of, port, the time of our relationship, 
He'd often let me go with him and fly, and I'll never forget the day they let me sit in that uh, right seat of a Hawker jet flying from Kansas to Nebraska, and he said, go ahead and take the controls. That's a power rush, let me tell you. I couldn't fly that thing. I couldn't land that thing. I couldn't take it off, but I could keep it going straight down the road with Dick in the left lane, in the left seat, you know what I mean? But I was flying a jet. I was flying a jet. Do you hear what I'm saying? I was flying a jet, not because of me, because of him. And then he got his helicopter rating, and he said to me one day, you want to learn to fly a helicopter? Of course. Yeah. You know, that's a difficult thing. You have to use both hands and both feet at the same time. That's extremely difficult. And when we were taking off or landing, I refused to talk to him. Just give me instructions. I've got to concentrate. But once we got that little thing up in the air and started flying straight and level... We could have some conversations. And I'll never forget the day he said to me, you know, I'm really concerned about my kids. I've raised them in church. We've lived the life before them, but they don't really seem to want to be following God. I don't know what to do. And he talked and talked and talked. Finally, and I know this was the Spirit of God. He dropped it into my heart. And God said, say to him, hey, Dick, do you remember the hood? And those of you are thinking, you grew up in the hood? No. When you're training to be a pilot and get your instrument rating, they put a device over your head that's called a hood, so all you can see are the instruments in front of you. See, when you're getting an instrument rating, you can't replicate bad weather. You can't replicate being fogged in. So what you do is you put the hood on, it shuts out everything else except what is right in front of you. Said, so, do you remember the hood? He started laughing. He said, yeah, I, I remember. I didn't like it, but I remember. And I said, Dick, you need to remember that the training you received under the hood is the training you're given to those boys. And the Bible still says in Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he'll not depart from it. And God's spoken to his heart and his life. You know, I don't know where the boys are at today, but I know this. The good stuff that was planted in their hearts and in their spirits will one day bear fruit and turn them toward the cause of Jesus Christ. Our responsibility. Oh, listen. Listen. As a parents, our responsibility is not to make sure that our kids get saved, although that would be great if they did. Our responsibility is to expose them, to plant in them, to put a good, enough good stuff in them. So when the pressures of life come against them, they return to the things that you taught them and that they know. That's what I mean about passing the faith on. Replicating the gospel of Jesus Christ. Letting it go into the hearts and the lives of those around you. In 1 Kings, you find the story of the old prophet Elijah and the new prophet Elisha. And as you read the story, Elijah had been the prophet of Israel for a number of years. And you know the story, 1 Kings 18 and 19, he had the big showdown with the gods of Baal and the prophets of Baal. He killed them all because their God couldn't answer by fire and his did. And then he prayed for rain. It hadn't rained in three years. He prayed for rain. And when a servant said, I see a cloud the size of a man's hand, what did he say? He said, get up and prepare yourself, for I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. And then it says he ran before Ahab's chariots. He was a mighty man of God. But you know, he hit a wall in his life because Ahab's wicked wife Jezebel sent word to him, just as you did to my prophets, the prophets of Baal, I'm going to do to you. Fear set into his life, and he took off. He went to the wilderness, sat under a tree, and said, God, it's enough. I'm ready to die. Take me home. But God wasn't finished with him. When you read that story, two times God said, Elijah, what are you doing here? 
Why are you sitting here? What are you doing here? You still have more to do. I'm talking to somebody in this room this morning. You have said, it's enough. It's all I can do. I'm ready to run up the white flag and say, God, take me home. I'm done. God is saying to you, why are you in that position? He didn't call you to sit down and quit. He didn't call you to buckle under adversity. He didn't call you to run up the white flag when somebody threatened your life. He called you to stand in the power of God. He called you to stand in the power of the Holy Ghost. He called you to be a witness and to be one who passes that baton of faith to those who are behind you. What kind of an example does it set when times get hard and we as believers quit? What kind of an example does it set when we can't defeat the enemy and his lies? Oh, I've come to tell you, church, it's time to stop singing that old negative sad song and start singing, I am an overcomer. I am victorious. The royal blood of Jesus Christ flows through my veins. And because of what he did, I will arise and conquer that which is before me. I will pass that baton of faith on. So we look at that life of Elijah and Elisha. Elijah thinks he's all alone two times. God says, why are you here? Why are you here? And then he told him, you still got more to do. And he told him exactly what he wanted to do. One of those things was anointing his successor. So when he went on down, you can read it in 1 Kings chapter 19. And it says he saw Elisha working in the fields. Now here's a point I want you to understand. When you're looking for someone, and this goes more into the realms of productive ministry, then it doesn't just getting someone born in the kingdom of God. All of us have a responsibility to bring people into the kingdom through the door of the cross. Can you say amen? amen? All of us have a responsibility to be a consistent witness to the truth, the grace, the mercy, and the power of Jesus Christ, no matter where we're at or who we're with. You see, our words should not change because of the company we keep. We should be consistent. No matter who we're with, no matter what their beliefs or opinions are. You see, I'm convinced the world is still looking for a church that will stand up and say, there is one way to the throne of God, one way to heaven, and that's through His Son, Jesus Christ. We've got enough of this interfaith nonsense going on. Listen, I'm going to tell you, I love Muslim people, but Islam will not get you into the kingdom of God. I love Buddhists, but I'm here to tell you, going to the temple and praying to those demon spirits will not get you into the temple of God. I love Hindus, but all 50,000 of those gods will not get you into the kingdom of God. My ancestors were spiritists and animists, but I'm here to tell you, the religion of the Native Americans will not get them into the kingdom of God. There is still one way, and his name is Jesus. And it's time for the church to stop compromising and declare it again. There's one way to the kingdom. And it's through the Son of the living God whose name is Jesus Christ. There are not multiple paths to the kingdom. There's one. You say, well, preacher, that's pretty narrow. I'm just telling you what the Word says. If you don't like it, take it up with God. I'm simply a spokesman this morning. But he's called me to stir you up and to challenge you and bring you to the point where you recognize there is a responsibility inerrant in every believer to take this gospel to the entirety of the world. To those who have not heard, Jesus said, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached to all the world. Then shall the end come. We haven't done that yet, folks. We've been at this for 2,000 years and we still haven't got it done. Maybe it's time 
We stopped. Oh, you're going to hate me for this. That's all right. I can handle it. Doesn't bother me in the least if you hate me. Your problem, not mine. You like that? Doesn't matter. See, maybe it's time we stopped sitting on our couch and we got out and talked to our neighbor. Maybe it's time we turned off the TV and engaged someone in a meaningful conversation about eternal life. You see, you don't have to make things up. You don't have to force it on anyone. But if you'll look for doors of opportunity, the way you find those doors of opportunity is by talking to somebody besides your spouse and your kids. Come on, folks. We live in a society where we don't want anybody coming to our door. So that's fine. Talk to your guy at work. That's your new neighborhood. Talk to your neighbor on the other side of you. Go to the mall and talk to somebody and let them know Jesus loves them and Jesus cares. Elisha found, Elijah found Elisha when he was working in the field. He was already doing something. He was already productive in another arena. Oh, listen to me. When you find somebody that's productive in another arena, you know that person is going to light the kingdom of God on fire if you can just get them to believe the good news. Come on, take it to them. You say, what does that mean? I mean, if you know a guy that's leading a gang, he's productive in another arena. He just needs Jesus. If you know someone that's making the level of living, selling dope, you need to tell them about Jesus because they're productive in another arena. If you know a businessman who excels at what he does, you need to tell him about Jesus because God will use his skills and his ability to turn the kingdom of God around. If you know an attorney who's great at what he does, that he can get people off, you need to talk to him because God will use him as an advocate for those needing the kingdom of God. Do you hear what I'm saying? Find someone who's productive and invest in them and then pass the gospel to them. And then pass the leadership baton to them. And let them be used in the kingdom of God. I was thinking this morning. God began talking to him about. Think back down through the past. All those individuals who are now in pastoral ministry or evangelistic ministry. Because you chose to invest in their lives. So I started adding them up. 22 was that number. That are in full time active ministry today. But you know the two I'm the most proud of. One of them pastors a church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. The other one pastors a church in Fort Worth, Texas. Chris and Philip are their names and they bear my last name. They're my sons. That tells me that's what happens when we replicate the kingdom. When we invest in others' life. When we choose to pass it on to the ones who are following us and chasing us in this race. You see, I'm convinced that there are many, many people. I mean, we've almost written off this current generation. We've called them godless. We've called them faithless. We've called them without sincerity. We've called them all kinds of names, setting from a high position. But I'm convinced this current generation, I'm convinced these millennials that we talk about are simply waiting for an invitation. They're waiting for someone who's real, someone who's transparent. Someone who will say, this is what I was, this is who I am, not because of education, not because of training, not because of a change in social class, but because of Jesus Christ. And I'm here to tell you the same Jesus can do it for you. He's looking for people who will invest in that younger generation. He's looking for people that will walk with us. You see, that's what it's all about when it's passing the baton. I told you about the 2008 Olympics. Four men trained for four years. They had the handoff perfect time and time and time again. They knew how to do this. They didn't mess up. They didn't drop the baton. 
But something happened in that exchange when they're running for the gold medal. And the baton hit the floor, hit the track. And they were disqualified. I've come today to tell you it's great to finish well, but it's even better to finish well with a whole line of folks following after you. Following the example you have set, emulating the life you have in Jesus Christ and following you to the finish line. See, in order to be successful, we have to pass from one to another. We have to live life together. We have to run at the same pace, the same cadence, with the same purpose. And if we do that, there's no stumble. There's no hesitation. There's no drop of the baton when we choose to run this race with the goal in mind of passing the kingdom to someone coming behind us. Sprinter Walter Dick said it this way, when the handoff is done right, it looks extremely easy. Did you notice on the video? Two times that baton was passed between members of the American team. But it was that final handoff where the baton was dropped and they were disqualified. When it's done right, it looks extremely easy, but it takes a lot of work to get that done. So I ask you this morning, are you handing off the baton? Are you replicating your life in someone else? Is there someone following you that you are investing in? You know, I love our volunteer pastoral staff. They don't get a dime of compensation, but they'll go to the wall for me. They'll fight the devils for me. They'll do whatever I need them to do without hesitation and without backing up. I love that. I love that. I love that. But you know what it tells me? It tells me that I've invested in them, so now they're willing to invest in me. A few weeks ago on Wednesday night, there was a young man here before service that kind of got belligerent and uh, irate, and I asked him to leave. Actually, I took him to the door and told him, don't come back. That's what I did. Got to be honest. I'm not a nice guy. You need to know that by now. Surely you know that by now. After church, I was standing out in the parking lot with Daniel and Chris, and we were talking, and I looked down the plaza, and there that guy was, down at that little church, trying to hustle them. Turned to Daniel and Chris, and I said, I'll be right back, guys. i got to go run that guy off. I told him to leave once, and he's still here. So I took off. I wasn't running, just walking fast. And I was probably 50 yards away, and he looks up and sees me, takes off. And I'm thinking, yeah, I got my bluff in on that dude. He's afraid of me now. What I didn't know, Chris, stand up. Daniel's not here this morning. He's in Tampa, but Chris is here. What I didn't know is that Chris and Daniel were right behind me. He wasn't worried about me. He was worried about the guys following me. Come on, church. Do you get the point? When we replicate the faith, when we invest in somebody else's life, God is going to be honored and glorified. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed in this room today. Isaiah, would you come and get ready, please? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed across this room this morning. If you're in this place today, you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And you know you need to because if you were to die today, your eternity would not be in heaven but rather in hell. You can stop that. You can reverse that. You can change that right now by accepting Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. So if you're in this room today and you need Jesus to forgive you, to save you, to alter your future, I'm talking to you. Would just raise your hand right where you said, I'm going to pray for you. As a wait a moment, slip up your hand right where you sit. Yes, someone else, yes, someone else, yes, 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 someone else. 
You'll join these five or six as we'll wait another moment. You need Jesus to forgive you, to come into your life, to change your destiny from hell to heaven, to turn your life around and begin living for him. Anyone else as we'll wait just another moment. Those of you with your hands raised, stand your feet with me right now. Those of you with your hands raised, stand up right where you're at. Come on, you can do this. Requires courage. Come on. Everyone who raised your hand, that's it. Now step out and come meet me right here. Come on, right down here. Come on, right down here. Amen. Praise your Father. You raised your hand. Come on. Right down here. This is where we're going to meet. God's going to do something in your life this morning. Oh, that's it. Come on. We ought to be like Lucia, standing up and giving God praise. Listen, something great is about to happen in the heavenlies. God's going to change these lives. Praise your Father. Yvonne, Nancy, would you come and stand right behind these folks? Kyle, would you come and stand right behind them? We're going to pray for them. Listen, folks, we're going to pray a prayer together. There's no magic in this prayer. There's nothing special about this prayer. What happens, the Bible says, is when we express our faith in Jesus Christ, and when we confess Him before men as Lord and Savior, He comes into our heart. He forgives us our sins. He changes our lives once and for all. So this morning, we're going to pray this prayer, and then I'm going to ask for uh, Nancy to take you back to 103 and give you some information. I don't see David and Corinne here this morning, but Nancy, if you'll help us with that. We're going to pray this prayer. God's going to do a work in your life, and then we're going to pray with you individually. Would you right now just bow your heads, lift your hands up in surrender and submission, and say with me, Dear Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you died for my sins. And I need a Savior. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to cleanse me. I ask you to change me. I don't want to be the person I came in. I want to be transformed by you this morning. Take all my sin away. Take all the guilt away. Make me a new person today. I receive you as my Lord. I confess you as my Savior. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Come on, welcome them into the family of God. Will you take them to 103, Nancy? Doug Apple will meet you right back there. Nancy's going to take you over to 103, give you some more information, pray with you personally. Doug Apple will meet you back there as well. God bless you folks. Welcome to the kingdom of God. Welcome. Amen. Stand to your feet with me across this room this morning. As we conclude this service this morning, Anne Yvonne, will you come to the platform? Anne and Yvonne. As we conclude this service this morning, we're going to do it by asking every student, and it doesn't matter your age, whether you're 5 or you're 55 or 85, it doesn't matter. If you're a student in any realm of education, I want you to come right now. Come on, bring those kids over there and bring these students over here and line up across the front. Come on, right on over here, ladies and gentlemen. Bring them right on over. Come on, right on down. Bring them right on down. And those of you in the room, if you're a student of any age, step out and come this morning and join these who are coming right now. Come on, right on across. We'll probably need several lines. I don't think all of you will fit in one. So all the way across, then make a second line over here behind them. And let's just keep lining up. Every student in the room, doesn't matter how old you are, what your level of education is, we want to pray with you and pray for you. So come this morning. Come this morning. Help us out, ushers. Let's get some lines going here. I'd appreciate that. Come right on over. Come right on over. Keep coming. Keep coming. We need a third line behind there. 
A third line behind there as well. This is wonderful. This is exciting. Anyone else out there? You're a student. You want to come and join these? Anyone else? I believe part of replicating the gospel is finding young men and women like these, discovering God's gifts in them, and then asking them to use that gift to glorify God and to build the body of Christ. Isaiah Lewis is here at the keyboard. Isaiah was in our Kid Power Talent Contest a few months ago. Blew me away when I heard this little boy, 11 years old, right Isaiah? All right, 11 years old. As he played and as he sang and gave praise to God. And I brought him in here a week or so later and I brought him up to the platform and I said, Isaiah, at some point, you're going to be on this platform. God's going to use you. At some point. He'll be leading worship over in the student ministry service. You see, friend, that's what it's about. Finding those who want to follow God and pouring your life into them. So before we pray and bless these, I want Isaiah to sing. And it's a familiar song. You know it. Just sing it out with him. How great is our God.
Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Isaiah. Great, great. How great is our God? 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 Chris, would you come? Educators in the room, regardless of what level or what position you may hold, you may be a teacher, an administrator, a teacher's aide, it doesn't matter. If your role is in a place of education, I want you to step out and come as well. Fall right in behind all of these students. If you're an educator, come right now. Find a place uh, behind these students. Amen. As they're coming, church, let's give them a hand. They've got a difficult job. Let's show them how much we love them and appreciate them. We value what they're doing every single day. The influence they have over the lives of young men and young women. You see, I believe educators play a great role in developing young men and young women. And through a Christian influence, can turn them towards the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I know there are restrictions legally, but I also know the Word of God is not bound. And I also know that your life is a living testimony to those that you are teaching, discipling, and instructing. So let your light shine every single day. Would you do that? Bow your heads, and I'm going to pray for the kids. Yvonne's going to pray for the educators, and Anne is going to pronounce a blessing on each one of these individuals standing here. Father, in Jesus' name, I lift each one of these students before you. And I pray that this year will be the best year of their career. I pray that they would experience you, your grace, your mercy, your favor. I pray that doors of intellectual learning would open to them and they would understand the material they're being taught. And most of all, I pray that the constant light of Jesus Christ and the presence of the Holy Spirit would fill their heart and fill their lives. They would be insulated from the pressures and the temptations from the things happening in our school campuses, and they would be constantly drawn towards you. Make each one of these students a dynamic witness for the truth of Jesus Christ. I pray it in the name that's above every name. Yvonne, come. Pray for our educators. Amen. Holy Spirit, I lift up from someone who may be in their student teaching stage all the way up to someone who is a principal. And every level in between, Father, I lift them up to you and I ask that Holy Spirit enter into their lives. Put a power within them that they never dreamed was within them. I pray that you anoint each step that they take as they walk into our educational facilities, Lord. That the power of Holy Spirit will rise up from within them and they will stand strong and true in your word. That they will be steadfast and follow your leading, Lord, I pray. And I pray for doors to be open that they never dreamed could open. And that you will give them the boldness to walk through those doors and to bring your word in a mighty way. And Lord, I pray that a hedge of protection will be around them, guarding them and protecting them, Lord, I pray. But raise our educational people up, Lord, to be educational for you, Lord, above everything that they teach you, Lord, not only in their speech, but in their life, Lord, that they will be stronger and more steadfast in you in this next year, and this will be their greatest year for you in the education system, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 
And would you come? If you're a parent and you have a student down here, would you just uh, slip up your hand where you're at? There's really not room to bring you down, but if you're in the audience and you're a parent, Anne, go right ahead. Hallelujah. Several years ago, I was having, I held my hands like this together to receive a blessing. And the Lord said, no, no, do this. To receive everything he wants to give you. So I encourage you, as you receive the word of the Lord that is spoken over your life, you show him, I am ready. I have a heart that's ready. I have a mind and a spirit and a body that is ready to receive everything that the Lord wants to give you. Hallelujah. May you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And may you love your neighbor as yourself. May you be the salt to the earth. May you be the light into the world. And may you allow your light to shine in such a way that other men see your good works and glorify the Father. And may the Lord cause you to prosper and excel in all that you do, just as Joseph did in Potiphar's house. May he raise you up to do great and mighty things in his name and for his sake. May his angels be set in charge concerning your ways. And may you have the heart of the Father in your heart for other people. May he give you the compassion of Christ for those that are dying and need a Savior. May he give you eyes and ears to hear the Father's voice through the Spirit who lives with every believer, everyone who has called upon the name of the Lord to be a Savior. May you have that Holy Spirit operating and moving in each one of you. May the joy of the Lord be your strength. May you consistently and faithfully take his word and read it and devour it as your bread of life every day. And as you go into the classroom, may you invite Holy Spirit to be a part of your studies. As you prepare for a test, as you prepare for a career or for your job, may you say, Holy Spirit, I need you and I want you. Declare your dependence upon him. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean to your own understanding. But may you always acknowledge him for he is the author and finisher of your faith. And may you walk in confidence that he is the one who does his goodwill and his good pleasure in your life. Amen. And in the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you, Ann. God bless you all so very much. Thank you, especially to those who are investing their lives in the lives of young people. Thank you, educators, teachers, administrators. Thank you for the investment you're making and know that it is eternal. 
and you're influencing them for a positive thing for the kingdom of God. Tom, come on, take us out this morning with I Am Victorious. Put your hands together. Make it your cry today. I Am Victorious. Our prayer is that God will take this word and plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. Father, we pray for your great wisdom to infiltrate this listener, draw them to you, and take them gently down the road to their next destination in life. And if you're in need of a home church, we invite you to join us at Christian Heritage Church on Shera Road in Tallahassee, Florida, a multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. For a worship service where the presence of God has first place, you're invited to Christian Heritage Church. Sunday morning service is at 10.30, Wednesday evening at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For all the latest information, visit our website, chctoday.com.